Welcome to Weekly Taiwan. This is a podcast where we share our weekly insights and have an improvised discussion around them. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. After having to skip last week's podcast, I'm really happy to be here again uh, and to welcome Reko and Petri to the podcast as well. Hi, guys. Good to see you again, Michael. Hi, Michael. Great. This week, it's actually my turn to come up with a theme. And um, I actually had a very interesting meeting today with one of our clients about innovation. And what does it take to be innovative in the world today? And we talked about the fact that it, it's not enough to just put a tool in place and collect ideas from the employees and, and from external partners and then be stuck with thousands of ideas and no way to go with them. But it actually needs much more than that. It actually needs the tools, but it also needs the process on how do you work with ideas. It needs the mindset and the, the time for people to be innovative. It needs an ecosystem that basically spurs new ideas and, and basically brings in new perspectives. Um, and it requires a lot uh, of involvement from, from the management and, and from people across the organization to make innovation really work. And the, the person I, I talked with there, she was pretty much in the beginning of setting off on this journey. And she was considering what are the key elements that you should be taking into consideration if you want to build and nurture an innovation culture and, and an innovation setup in an existing company, in a company that has been existing already for quite some time and has a lot of, of history and uh, trial and errors in the past around the topic. And I, I would be very eager Reko and Petri, to hear your take and your experience on, on how have you seen companies, our clients address this and be successful in the area of innovation? It is an interesting question indeed. Um, the first thing that comes to mind to me is the difference between ideation and innovation. So, so ideation is collecting these ideas from the organization and, and then thinking what to do with them. And then innovation, as I understand it, and now it's, it's I guess we should define terms here. And the way that we understand innovation is, is about creating something new, new products, new ways of, of, of serving the customers uh, with, with a value added idea or, or product or service. And, and that is that is something creating something new requires, as as you said, Michael, um, a, a different mindset in the organization and, and a set of freedoms that do not normally come with the organizations that are that are kind of top down uh, top down driven. I've uh, had experience of organizations who've had this type of setup. Um, and, and have been somewhat traditional in their thinking and being then trying to tackle that uh, innovation problem, trying to get people to think by themselves is very difficult, especially as, as these people are really dependent on the leadership telling what to do. And, and there, I, I think the 
the transformation and, and very visible transformation uh, in the organization is needed in order to drive that. What say you, Petri? Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Reko. And thanks, Michael, for bringing up this uh, favorite topic of mine, I guess. I just pulled out a book called The Innovator Solution by Clayton Christensen. That was um, my favorite book from 20-odd years back. And uh, when you introduced this topic, I, I immediately started thinking that uh, there's the risk of overcomplicating innovation in today's business world because there's the question, are we drifting too far away from our roots as a business? Because as a business, we try to come up with these uh, ways to solving our customers' problems. And to me, that is the ultimate innovation. So the the entrepreneurship mindset of, of uh, being curious and uh, exploring these new ways of uh, the jobs to be done by your customers, as Christensen said. So I think one of my sort of uh, concerns around the discussion around innovation is that I, I, I'm afraid that some people and some companies may be overcomplicating it because I think it is embedded in the core root of a business endeavor and entrepreneurship. I think, Petri, that's a that's a very good point. At the same time, in, in very many larger companies, the entrepreneurial part is not always as present as it is in very young companies. So, so you need to spark that entrepreneurial um, mindset again in the organization. And it's, I, I think, a lot about enabling people to do that. I'm reminded of a discussion we had with one of our clients some time back when, when they basically told us that they're investing a lot of time and effort and resources into innovation. And, uh, and we asked them, what, what, what is it that they're investing? And then we did the math. And, and at the end of the day, what it boiled down to is that they gave virtually every employee five minutes per month for innovation. So it, it's not necessarily about investing a lot or providing a lot of resources, but it's really about enabling people and, and using the resources in the right way. And what I earlier today discussed with, with, um, with the client in that context was that there needs to be an enabling unit, but at the end of the day, the innovation will very often happen down in, on the shop floor or uh, on the front lines of, of where you work with the customers or where you create the products or where you, as you said, Petri, where you exploit new ways of doing things for the customer. So we talked there about a hub and spokes model, about a center of excellence approach of innovation where you have one central organization that provides the tools, provides the methodologies, provides exactly, as you said, Reco, the terminology um, to develop a joint understanding, but then the actual innovation is done, the ideation and innovation, because I, I think they're they're very closely linked, uh, is done where, where the action happens, so to say, um, down in the trenches or with the partners or with the customers directly uh, in, in that setup. But I also agree, Petri, that, that sometimes it's overcomplicated, which sometimes is in the nature of engineers to uh, create a beautiful uh, engineering-ish setup uh, around something that could actually be very simple and beautiful uh, without all of this. I agree, Michael. 
And I think I need to soften my statement a little bit. Uh, it was a little bit black and white, obviously. And I do agree with you that um, uh, innovation in a business context is also largely, and I think, Greco, you mentioned this, also culture-driven things. So how to make sure that uh, every single person in the organization has this appetite and also the sort of is expected to be also allowed to think about constantly ways of improving the way things are going at the moment. So I think uh, on on top of and in addition to these innovation processes and programs and, and, and so forth, I think the sort of cultural aspect of it is really important that there is this uh, organizational appetite for improving mm -hmm. our customer solutions, improving our operations and improving everything as we go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I think one of the good examples was uh, a client of ours that we did a strategy for. And one of the outcomes of the strategy was that um, if we will run with this strategy, this will mean that our ownership uh, structure will need to change. As hmm. our owners are not expecting us to deliver innovation they're actually mm. expecting us to to deliver steady value with the model that we've delivered before so it kind of innovation also requires a certain type of setup also in the ownership and and then in the government structure of our governance structure of the organization and I, I think you're making a very good point there governance and, and kpis that's something the client brought up um, the the free thinking nature of innovation that you very often have versus setting strict KPIs in order to measure that. Uh, what, what's your thinking there? Yeah, I think that's very important. I I talked about the cultural aspect of um, encouraging innovation, but uh, it definitely needs the governance side uh, to strengthen and back it up. So I think. Um, um, while innovation is hardly ever directly attributing or contributing to your financial normal metrics that your management team and leadership team is following and targeting uh, on a routinely basis, I think you need to invest a little bit of time to understand the impacts that you wish your innov innovation teams or, or sorry, innovation activities to yield and then reward for achieving those impacts, even though they may, may be slightly different types of metrics that you would normally uh, be rewarding and, and looking for. Yeah, I guess on, on the topic of metrics, it, it comes back to the how you organize for it. So, and, and I, I think all self-respecting big consultancies have their own structural models on how to organize for innovation you know how to create a separate innovation mm -hmm. organization or an uh, you know agile organization so the, the question really is not strictly about kpis but also also about how far are you willing to go to basically let it be an own self-governed entity mm -hmm. or or if it needs to be governed by the by the overall organization or if it's owned by the uh business units or, or or so on and so forth so that that has a strong effect on on the kpis um i my personal thinking is that 
is quite traditional in in the sense that yeah it kind of should be measured but then it doesn't really necessarily help with the innovation because innovation comes from a more free free type of culture that that just enables it without really resorting to to metrics and record to continue on this sort of uh, free structured culture um i think it goes without saying that uh, the the if you look at the biggest innovations in in the history of uh, business i think uh, most of them have come outside of the organization that is eventually then uh, uh using them in their business and and again we talk a lot about ecosystems and the power of of the open open sort of business community and i think it goes without saying that uh, ecosystems hold a great power here and i think somebody said that the the uh, productivity of innovation is directly related to the number of eyeballs looking at the problem uh, and i think sort of crowdsourcing and open innovation hence is very powerful mechanisms of facilitating this process let me maybe challenge you there. So if we think about innovation and, and innovation activities and innovation teams as these free-floating elements in the organization that always look for new ways and new things to do, how do we link that back to the strategy? How do we link this back to our overarching guardrails that we're setting when we set the vision and the, the, the strategy of the company? Yeah, I would go back to, I mentioned the impacts that we would be seeking to gain. Uh, they should be directed uh, and providing the guidance from the overall strategy. So if we operate in Industry X and we understand the, that the plausible futures of Industry X are going that way, then we should somehow communicate the uh, direction of the impacts that we would want to gain from the innovation uh, activities uh, and, and hence align the folks who are involved in this process, whether they are internal or external, to be contributing to those things that we are seeking. I think that's one, one aspect to it. I think that's that's a great point. And, and at the end of the day, what we're saying, I guess, is that the strategy will still set the guardrails. The vision will still set the guardrails. But then you need to give the innovation teams and you need to give the employees who innovate the freedom to also test these boundaries and go beyond these boundaries. Uh, I think in one of the earlier podcasts, we talked about the different horizons and and how do you approach strategy and that you need to continuously update strategy. And I think the innovation team is as much a receiver of guidance from the strategy as it is someone giving impulses and ideas into the strategy process um, to adjust the path and adjust the vision as, as you move forward. Yeah, fully agreed. I, I think regarding this... Um, how, how to set the guardrails. Um, I was listening yesterday to a book review about a, a book called The Phoenix Encounter, where the, the core idea is that, that you need to go as far in your, in your strategy planning and, and scenario thinking as to imagine a situation where these disruptions in the market and the new technologies, new, new ways of working in the market, will make your company obsolete and then then working from there backwards to understanding so so is your value 
to the market still valid in that situation and how is it valid and how do you ensure that it stays valid so so challenging the the, the way of working to the max and i i think there the innovation teams can come in and then you can start also using them in in two ways so you can also kind of try and challenge the thinking and and also let them challenge the the, the status quo that the the products that you're serving the clients with and the disruption that this new thinking might bring might not be a bad thing so it, it is yes it it needs guardrails in terms of the overarching vision being the guiding light for the people but that should be just the reason why the people overall want to work in the company but it should not be as limiting as to say that that this is exactly the the type of business that we're in in a way mm-hmm. No, make makes sense, and and I think already since for for some time we've been talking about a, a term I think Gartner brought up in the in the IT context with the multi-speed IT organization, and and I think we started talking about the multi-speed organization, as as you will have these different parts of the organization that will work in different clock speeds, but that still need to be interlinked and need to feed off each other and need to feed each other, exactly as you just said, Reko. And some of them will be more out there, if you want, and will be thinking further into the future and will think about more future-driven innovative topics, whereas then the other part of the organization will be more looking at the core business. But it's critical for both of them to be interlinked and to feed off each other in order to get the best the best possible path forward um, and, and, and to drive value for the stakeholders, for the shareholders, and for the organization. Exactly. One one operational level thing where where especially IT and technology side is able to help is to provide uh, tools and and platforms for the innovation, and and this is something that I very concretely experienced in my previous job uh, of of creating and and starting to create a platform for innovation so where people can test new ways of thinking and have access to data in a new way mm-hmm. where where they can see things in a new way and develop new ways of thinking and test them and, and this type of uh, environment is very conductive to to just trying out something new even in a mm-hmm. small scale and and then as a, as a result make creating a change in the mindset of people no, no, I think I think that makes perfect sense. Um, Petri, I remember a discussion we had some time ago. How do you see the whole topic of CVCs, so corporate venture capital, startup, um, cooperation, and all of that float into the innovation agenda of organizations? And how can they make sure that they actually link this back together? Absolutely. I think it's very important uh, mechanism and tool to be used um, in in running innovation. And uh, as you know, we've been discussing with uh, some of our clients about how to connect, uh, for example, a corporate venture capital team and its uh, targets with the overall corporate strategy. Pretty much as, as we were discussing earlier already in this call, to provide the direction and the impacts that you are seeking through your innovation activities and, and CVC organization who would be then 
having eyes open in the marketplace uh, in the sort of focus areas of that company, uh, guided by the strategy and, and investing into the new innovative firms who are exploring these new ways of getting things done. And uh, then that's a learning channel. So you are learning what works, what gets traction in the market and, and so forth. So that is a good good mechanism, and I think that I think that's a major mechanism for groundbreaking breakthrough innovation uh, within a corporate context. And also, Reko, you also mentioned the investment appetite profile and the funding of innovation. So that's also very interesting when you discuss with these corporate venture capital teams and corporates that run these venture capital teams to understand the investment appetite behind these types of investments, because you've got the normal financial investment where you are just investing into a financial instrument and expect a yield in return. However, in corporate venture capital, any venture capital, but especially in corporate venture capital, you are investing into the impact that a success could bring to your valuation, your corporate valuation. It's not a standalone investment. It's a synergistic strategic investment, which is very important. Absolutely. Let me maybe summarize here. Um, I, I think one of the key learnings is that books that are tens of years old still hold a lot of truth to them and, and can still guide our our thinking today, even though we sometimes think our world today is much faster and so different from, from the past. I think it's always good to revisit the old books like The Innovator Solution or also The Innovator's Dilemma. Uh, as, as some of the books that have been shaping this space. Uh, from our discussion, some, some key takeaways uh, I took. One was, was naturally, Reiko, your first point, the differentiation between ideation and innovation. And while there's an overlap, they still are two different things. Um, and I like the quote, Petri, you brought, innovation is exploring new ways of doing things, because I think that's, that's spot on. We also talked about the fact that we shouldn't overcomplicate innovation. Uh, it should still be something that is easy, straightforward, is focused on impact and, and the impact that we're defining uh, derived out of the strategy, derived out of the vision of the company, and that should guide the innovation while while leveraging ecosystems, uh, open communities, as, as well as the knowledge inside and outside of the organization. We talked about the fact that it's critical to enable people um, to be innovative, and, and that includes the funding, uh, that includes the mindset of the people, that includes the right measurements, the right, um, the right tools, the right processes. Um, we talked about the fact that while governance and KPIs are important, um, that based on our experience, it's, it's even more important to give people freedom to think outside of the box and, and experience and, and explore and basically look for new solutions linked back to the impact we're looking for, but basically explore much broader than that. And, and we also talked about the, the fact that CVC, startup cooperation, and being hooked into the startup ecosystem is one critical element to basically be successful. Um, 
I think as a final point, we talked about the multi-speed organization, about the fact that innovation, strategy, operations in the organization need to basically fuel each other and, and basically feed off each other to make sure that there's a continuous improvement process within the organization, taking into consideration all of these different aspects. I'm sure I missed a lot of things um, that that we have been talking about. It was a great discussion. Thank you guys for this. And uh, I'm looking forward to maybe the opinions and, and the thoughts and the experiences of our listeners. So if you have your own experience, please feel free to also share that either through the social media channels or, or then directly with us. We're always interested to learn more. And maybe we can then uh, discuss one of the topics you bring to our attention in one of the future podcasts. Thanks a lot, guys, for the great discussion. I learned a lot and uh, have a great day. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Michael. Always a pleasure. 